Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Take Me To Your Paradise, a podcast where I'm going to look back on some of my favourite Celtic games and who better to do that with tonight than my guest, one of my favourite men in the world, Tom Rankin. How are we, Tommy? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on to this uh, fantastic sounding new podcast. An absolute pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. So, Tom, you're well known in the, the old 20 minute Tims for ranking the reserves or having a rank or that sort of thing. So, what's been happening with you? Um, I think I, I did a hot tub tin machine, which... Again, oh, it's yeah. pretty much defunct now as well. Um, I'm trying to work on a few other little things, which has been they've been held up massively. Um, moved house in November. It's just been a bit of a slog, um, and it's been tough to get a free time to sort of record, sit down, record, and do anything. Um, but yeah, moved into a new house, uh, new partner. Uh, so it's just working through the sort of good bits and bad bits of that I suppose um, good stuff so life's on the up then yeah it's not too bad I think I had a couple of car crash pods at the start of the year um, <laughs> which I look back at with regret um, but no it's good I look back at them with laughter mate I look back at them with laughter it was good it was therapeutic like I say it was a shite start to the year for a number of reasons but it's finishing strongly apart from Celtic obviously yeah, hear that, people? 20 minute Tim's cheaper than therapy. So, Tom, we are going to take the listeners back to 1997. We're going to, this season is the season where Celtic are going to try and stop the 10. Now, this game we're going to talk about tonight is a European game. It's during the week, it is the UEFA Cup, as it was called then, and Celtic go up against Tyrol Innsbruck of Austria. I was at the game. So were you, what are your memories of going to the game? That was, I had just started secondary school. Um, this was my sort of first memorable European night at Celtic Park. Same. Um, same. My first ever game was a European game. It was against Dortmund back in 92 or something like that. But I was about six year old and I basically, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, we got our car broke into on the way back. One of those guys saying, 50p to watch your car. Tom, 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 come on. I'm going to get you on for a my first match here and you're just selling all the <laughs> Sorry, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to do it quickly. Um, yeah, basically, <laughs> car window got panned in, drove home oh. with a sort of cold, freezing October air. I mean, I basically cried all the way home. 
Um, so this was a much better European memory for me. Yeah, well, this takes place in August, the 26th of August, uh, 1997. Celtic are, of course, managed by Wim Janssen. They had a big overhaul in the summer after Tommy Burns left. Players like Larson, Barley came in. Guys like Reaper, but Paul Lambert's not quite here yet. He's still to come. So this, um, Wim Janssen's sort of formulating his team there now. And in the first leg of this game was away from home in Austria Celtic lost 2-1 Christian Marleb got a double in 22 minutes and 28 to give them a two goal lead but Alan Stubbs got his first goal for the club a year after joining it was a sort of deflected free kick uh, with five minutes to go which poor performance for Celtic but it keeps them in the game going into this game as you said it was your first sort of European night I, I can't remember feeling confident I always think Celtic will win but my dad was explaining that there were away goals and how it's going to go and if they score it could be up and down so were you, do you think you were confident at the time going into this? Not really because this was the first time like I said I kind of started watching Celtic when I was about 7 or 8 properly so it was always Tommy Burns I remember so that's something yeah. obviously Wim Janssen came in a whole load of new players came in and I had a sort of not a mistrust of the team but didn't have a clue what they're going to turn out like um, and they started the season in wretched form as well. They lost to Dunfermline, oh, they lost to Hibs. Um, so I was—I think I probably wasn't expecting too much at all. I was just happy to be there, to be honest. Yeah, like yourself, it was one of those... I hadn't really seen Celtic win a decent European tie. They had, as you said, under Tommy Burns. Any time they came up against somebody decent, whether it be PSG or Hamburg, I think they get beaten both legs over those two ties. So this was a bit something a bit different. So we'll move into the lineup for Celtic now. Jonathan Gould was in there in the, between the sticks. Yeah, so another new signing. Uh, I was a big fan of Stuart Kerr from the season previously. <laughs> um, and yeah, this guy, John Gould, comes in a free transfer from Bradford, I think. So yeah. I remember being very underwhelmed that this guy was going to be our first choice. Um, but yeah, John Gould and goals. Anything was an upgrade on uh, Gordon Marshall to me. I was like, you, Stuart <laughs> Kerr wasn't great, but I was like, get him in. So Celtic had a backline of David Hanna, Tom Boyd, Malky Mackay and Stefan Mahe. Not male as I have misspelt it on the agenda here. Into the midfield we had Craig Burley, Martin Vihorst, Phil O'Donnell and Andy Tom up front, Simon Donnelly and Henrik Larsson. It's a decent enough team for back then but the, the backline is poor isn't it? It's very poor. Um David Hanna at right back <laughs> basically I don't remember what kind of player David Hanna was at all but to not digress, a very good one yeah, not a good one to digress a wee bit um, I was watching something on YouTube called Celtic Collections on Sunday night it's an old sort of magazine oh, I, video I, um, and they've put a couple yeah, of new ones on there um, and it was Tommy Burns talking about David Hanna and he said we had a eye in about three or four big name midfielders but we also had room for another midfielder not a big name um, a bit of a project almost and they went for David Hanna um, so I don't know who the big names they were talking about but they probably should have went for them over yeah, <laughs> Dundee United midfield schemer David Hanna It's just the Celtic way isn't it not the big names, get the projects in get the projects in they're still doing it to this day so going into this game Celtic are obviously 2-1 down it's quite a 
there's not much happens in the first 20 odd minutes or so but one thing to note is the Tarot keeper clears the ball and injures himself in the process now he is wearing joggies and he does have a smashing tash but he is injured and has to be stretched off I think it was a groin that went and that 18 year old comes on to replace him so keep note of that but Celtic are obviously a goal down they're chasing it if they can get in the lead then they'll lead on away goals and they get that in the 34th minute Tom Boyd breaks forward plays it to Morton Vhorst. He looks up and chips a ball into the middle. Simon Donnelly's got away from his marker and he catches it flush on the volley, on the right foot to score. It's an absolute cracker, isn't it? It's an outstanding finish. Here's Vikos in space. Simon Donnelly. That's a great goal for Celtic. Simon Donnelly, a fantastic right foot volley to put Celtic one goal ahead on the night. Somebody take responsibility and Celtic get forward, at least have a pot of goal and try and create something. He cost decided. Well, look at the angle and the space Donnelly's made. He simply pulled off Grantine. He's waiting for the delivery. He's came in a perfect weight and it's a superb volley from Simon Donnelly. And he does ever so well. Technically, a very good player, Simon Donnelly. Um, oh, Charlie Nicholas said in the commentary the kid's done brilliant even though he'd been in the first team for about six seasons at that point Simon Donnelly <laughs> um, but no it was a fantastic finish um, to be fair to him now as you miss a wee bit strange the commentary we probably should have mentioned that earlier but Charlie Nick doing the commentary he's usually in the studio but it was it was strange hearing him doing the commentary don't like him no <laughs> he's better than Andy Walker I thought it's nice to hear a different voice um, but I think he was not much a compliment but <laughs> no I suppose not a backhand of compliment I think he used to do the Champions League commentary like, um, in the Huns games and stuff in the mid 90s after yeah, he yeah. stopped playing from memory but I'm not too sure right back to the game then good play from Phil O'Donnell just around 38 minutes the ball's flicked on to him from Simon Donnelly on the, out wide on the left he puts it through the to roll players' legs and he's into the box, but on his right foot, his weaker foot, it's a tame, tame shot right into the keeper's hands. And from this, the keeper plays it out down the right and it it goes out to the right back and a simple ball down the channel through for Marleb and Malky Mackay. He, he looks like he's towing your caravan there, Tom. Yes. You can't quite <laughs> catch Mar- Marleb. And Celtic have been warned about Marleb. He got a double against them in the first game. He was linked with Celtic after these games as well. He was a good striker, a good pedigree. He scored a lot of goals. He's through on goal and he side foots it past Jonathan Gould. Now, this is, you're thinking Celtic get themselves in the league. Five minutes to half time, keep it tight, but they concede here. And at this point, one each. Tyrol are going through. Yep. Um, yep, start of the topsy-turvy game Yeah, Marileb was a very accomplished player He was actually a teammate of Pelo de Canio the following season um, At Sheffield Wednesday oh. um, But yeah, they were warned, well warned in the first leg So he ran them ragged um, Like I say, simple ball over the top Malky Mackay, that's a recurring nightmare I have with that Celtic defence in the 90s Just no pace in it whatsoever oh. If it wasn't Malky Mackay, it was John Hughes Tom Boyd, Alan Stubbs or Mark McNally um, breathing through their arse running towards their own goal um, so yep no pace exposed yet again but was a, to be fair it was a very nice finish yeah good side foot finish from him and that, w- that would mean it would have been Di Canio Benito Carboni and Christian Marleb for Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday wasn't it? <laughs> to be fair he played three games for Sheffield Wednesday so he didn't have much impact I think he was behind Andy Booth in the uh, lineup. 
Didn't work out for him, but he did well at Austria Vienna. But, good news, Celtic would reclaim the lead on a stroke of half time through uh, double German international Andreas Tom. Uh, and a helping hand for Celtic was the defunct six second rule from the goalkeeper, <laughs> uh, which I think went out of fashion in what, early 2000s? Yeah, the, you can hear the, the crowd getting on the keepers. But as we said, he's an 18 year old keeper, he's just on, but just try to waste a bit of time before half time. And, he holds on to the ball for longer than six seconds, so Celtic get a di- direct free kick just inside Tyrrell's box. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good a good rule, should bring it back. Um, but yeah, so Henrik Larsson steps up, passes it to Andreas Tom on the edge of the box, um, and he strokes it into the net and off the post, and that's a goal that actually made me annoyed, um, because we've no players capable of doing that these days, it seems. Um just, I can't remember the last time Celtic worked for, worked a goal from a free kick. Larson looks as though he's going to play it to O'Donnell. He doesn't. It's Andy Tom, and it's a goal for Celtic. A superb free kick by Celtic. Henrik Larson played the ball to Andy Tom, and he side-footed it into the net, in off the right-hand post. Well, it's a lovely, lovely finish from Andy Tom. You can see exactly he's meant it. He knows exactly how he's shaping up. I think his breast check challenges him. And he just simply brings it round. And you can't ask for more precise than that and off the post. But it's well worked. They took their time and they made it count. The commentator does make mention that Celtic probably worked on that in the training ground. And yeah. Fair enough, mate. But how many times in a game are you expecting to get an indirect free kick from in, inside the other team's box? Maybe they've worked on certain free kicks, but they're certainly not doing that now. They're not working on corners. So that's it. All square in the tie. 2-1 in the first leg. 2-1 now. 44 minutes. Celtic need to get themselves in at half time. Regroup and push on. No, no, Tommy. No, no. <laughs> Just before half time, the ball is played down the left channel. Malky Mackay again, your favourite, goes to cut it out, but instead of booting it into touch, he takes this terrible touch that gifts it to Marleb, who just touches it past him and cuts the ball back. Now, the Tyrrell player is waiting on the cutback, and Henrik Larsson here, doing his duty all the way back in his own box, tries to cut it out and puts it past his own keeper. Top corner, an absolute peach in his own net. And this is a good one for a pub quiz. Who did Henrik Larsson score his first goal at Celtic Park against? And the answer is Celtic, because this he hasn't scored at Celtic Park yet. Henrik Larsson's first goal is an own goal, and it puts Tyrrell ahead in the tie, 2-2. So Celtic now need two goals to go through because of the away goal. Yep, it's the last thing you want to do, conceding the stroke at half-time as the old cliche goes. Uh, yeah, fantastic Swedish defending Mistorovic-esque from Henrik Larsson you could say <laughs> um, but yeah I mean look, he's not to be fair to him there's not much he could do he was tracking the run back no, the no. mistake came from Malky Mackay again like you say towing a caravan um, but yeah and I noted as well they got booed off Celtic by half time um, so obviously that's sort of yeah I don't think they were known as a great team FC Tyrol or Tyrol Innsbruck but no no yeah, the fans and me and you obviously weren't impressed at the time. I don't think it would have been me that booed them. The first time I booed was at that Ross County semi-final defeat in 2010 or something, when they got beat 2-0. Oh, it took you all that time to boo? I think so. The first time I booed them off the pitch at the end. 
But I wouldn't have, as a wee 11-year-old guy, I wouldn't have booed them off at half-time, I don't think. Tyrol were a decent team on the night, as we spoke about Marleb's a decent player, but they only they were only formed in 1993, so they're only four seasons into their inception yeah. of football. And look, it was around this time, we know how tense this season's been for Celtic, but as you said, Celtic had a terrible start to the season. They'd lost the first two games. Remy Anson at the time wasn't a well-known manager. They'd brought in Henrik Larsson and he'd given away... Uh, the ball to Chick Charlie in his first game. Now he's got an OG here. It, it, Celtic were just a bit ragged. And even with the first goal with Futterall, they completely deserved it. They were worn Celtic. They had a couple of chances before that. So going in at half time, 2-2. Celtic have got it all to do here. They need to come out in the second half and absolutely blitz it. But I've not got a lot of... I can remember the game, but I can't remember how I was feeling during it and all that. But 2-2 yeah. at half time in your first European game. This is why... I. I hate when people say, oh, like, like this season, like just sacrifice Europe. I, I grew up in these games. My dad worked a Saturday, so the times we could go was on a Sunday or the midweek the midweek games, and it was usually a European game. And this, this being my first real taste of a European game, it just made everything that I think Celtic are all about. It's an incredible night, wasn't it? Yeah, it encapsulates a lot. Um, I was kind of the same. I didn't grow up in Glasgow, obviously, with this accent. Um, so I've, <laughs> I'd rely on my uncle who stayed in Hamilton to sometimes come through to the game for uh, come through and pick me up, take me all the way back through to the games. Um, so yeah, this is like I say, and at the weekends I had either I was either playing football or I had motocross to go to, which I couldn't stand. Um, so yeah, the midweek games, European games are always a big thing for me. Uh, games under the lights, etc. It's all good talking about the game, but expand on the old motocross. Motocross was. So my dad and my uncle and that weren't into football. Um, my other, sorry, my other uncle isn't into football, my dad's brother. My mum's uncles were into motocross and motorsports and stuff. So every weekend we'd get dragged all over the country to see my uncle do motocross. Um, and for a while they tried to make me do it. Uh, so I'd have a wee motocross bike um, and it'd be my dad at the side of the track holding up like a chalkboard saying, go faster. Uh, foot on the pedal, the exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> and I used to drive around with sort of tears streaming down my helmet, basically. Because um, I hated it, it was too aggressive, it was too loud. I just wanted to not do it and sit and watch the football, read the Beano, read the Dandy, whatever. So yeah, I was about eight, I started playing football a lot for the school and stuff. And then after that, he, he basically stopped asking me to do it. But I'd still have to go with my family around to watch them do it sometimes. So, oh, no. like I say, when I've got to the Celtic games, it was a big, it was like a massive, massive treat for me, basically. So I soaked it all up. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was a good bit of escapism for me, even as a wee moody yeah, well, 10-year-old or whatever. <laughs> the two of us were in attendance and we were part of 47,017 people there as the, the stand behind the goal was still getting done up. We always remember the when we were going to stop the 10, the temporary stand, I was in that a few times and games in big games when it was tense or that, people would start banging their feet on the wood. It did not feel too good. But into the second half here and not a lot of chances created in the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half. Andre's Tom goes down in the box and is booked for diving. Very harsh, wasn't it? Uh, it was very harsh, I thought. Um, like I said, there was definitely contact. Maybe it was a him being a German with the Klinsman stuff going on around the time, I'm not too oh, sure. Right. Um, but yeah, very harsh booking, and he was absolutely fucking raging about it as well. 
quite right too. Uh, yeah, McNamara came on at half time for Phil O'Donnell, who was possibly injured yet again. Um, McNamara came on, smacked the post with an effort, um, but yet still remained two each on the night and four three to Tyrol over the on the in the tie. So we get to the 69th minute, and for some strange reason, David Hanna's still on the pitch, even though Jackie McNamara was on the bench. Crazy, I think he was come back from injury. To be fair, but David Hanna plays the ball down the right channel. Larson latches on it and takes a touch on his chest, which touches it past the defender, and the defender clumsy challenge into the back of Larson. And we know how cute Henrik Larson is and how good he is. He just leaves those legs dangling and gets tangled, and it's a penalty to Celtic now. We all expect now, because we've seen Henrik Larsson and his goal scoring, that he would step up. But at this time, it was Simon Donnelly. And this is one of the best penalties I've ever seen. It's an absolute screamer. Smashes it into the top left corner to score for Celtic. Celtic lead 3-2 on the night, but Tyrrell lead on away goals. And a forward for Larsson. Larsson in space, if he can control it. Wow, that must be a penalty. It is. Henrik Larsson... Brought down by Oliver Prudlow, who doesn't like the decision, but then he wouldn't. Well, Prudlow ends up in, in good possession and then gives it away and pushes him. It might feel a bit tough for him. But let's face it, Andy Tom looked as if he should have got a penalty early in the second half. I think Simon Donnelly's a man. So Simon Donnelly has been handed the responsibility of taking this penalty kick. He scored against St Johnson in the Coca-Cola Cup last midweek. And he scored again. Simon Donnelly puts Celtic back into the lead on the night by three goals to two. Very cool, very composed. Simon Donnelly obviously confident, started the season promisingly. That is a sensational penalty. Nice and high, well controlled with pace. Suddenly Celtic have a lifeline. Yeah, and it was a fantastic penalty. I've wrote that down here as well. I'm a big fan of high penalties uh, that go into the oh, roof of the net. I think he scored one similar against Liverpool in the next round. Is that right? Yeah, he clips the bar in the, yeah. the next round and it goes in. But yeah, David James was wearing that orange goalie top, wasn't he? So he lost. Um, but yeah, Larson quite rightly behind Sid in the pecking order for penalty kicks at the time. Yeah, so that made it four each. On the tie, which but still meant Tyrol were winning on away goals. But uh, just a few seconds later, uh, King Henrik Larsson decides to beat four or five Tyrol players, uh, slips the ball through to Craig Burley, who stepped up and with his first goal for the club, um, gave Celtic the lead. Celtic five, Tyrol four in the tie. Um, yep, yeah, a decent goal to be fair. Larsson, like I say, weaved in amongst three players, held off another two. Fantastic pass to Craig Burley, who, and he became known for this, just took a shot at goal, take a pot shot, clips off a Tyrrell defender, loops over the keeper, kisses the crossbar, and that Celtic up in the tie. Henrik Larsson controls that well, he's on a run now, he's beaten three players. Henrik Larsson goes through, he's beaten four, he plays the ball to Craig Burley, and it's gone in, it's a goal for Celtic! Craig Burley has scored for Celtic! Beating three players, holding off another two. He slid it to Burnley. It took a deflection, but that was enough. Well, it's more than enough. Got a house down. A sensational run from Larson. Sure, you always want a battle up. 
That's what I say, trying to at least hit the target. And if you do that, you may get an award. The last in front was individual sensation. Just go on, hit a target, you may get some luck. The luck comes, Celtic are in the lead. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Up in the tie for the, the first time in a while now, and you just want Celtic to keep it tight, but it's going to be difficult. It was brilliant play from Larson. He, as you say, just glides past these guys. It's no, he doesn't use any great skill or anything. He just uses his body, his touch, goes past them, lays it to Burley, and it's an absolute cracker. So 70 minutes gone, Celtic lead 4-2. We get into the last 10 minutes, and things are getting tense at Celtic Park. It is an absolute nervous wreck and unfortunately we get to 82 minutes on the clock and the ball's played out to the left hand side guy cuts in on his right foot and it's a deep cross to the back post defenders don't cut it out Jonathan Gould I think he should come and claim it but Crinner just on as a subs there to header it Jonathan Gould gets something on it but can't keep it out 4-3 on the night and Tyrol are going through on aggregate absolute disaster Celtic have got 9-10 minutes to save this game Yep. Um, again, and uh, Malky Mackay having an absolute shocker. Uh, lost his man for this goal <laughs> as well. Uh, so I don't know what his player ratings would have been in the daily record the next day. Not very high, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, that usual sort of familiar feeling of Celtic in Europe, a sinking feeling. Uh, I can imagine yeah. having at the time. Ten minutes left. But to be fair to Celtic, they've done it several times over the years. Needed a big finish, and subsequently that's what happened. Malky Mackay, despite having an absolute Shocker of a game Almost made up for it A few minutes later Disallowed goal 
Uh, Simon Donnelly made a nice little run, crossed it in, and a diving volley from Malky Mackay. Decent little finish, but it was offside. Um, so yeah, that gave Celtic about another five minutes to try and find a winning goal. Tyrol, again, back and forward, end-to-end stuff. FC Tyrol Innsbruck had a few chances as well. John Gould, terrible kick out, straight to a Tyrol player um, who fired in a decent shot, which Gould almost spilled and just managed to pick up before someone running in would have scored. Um, but this cracking game would have a grandstand finish, thankfully for Celtic. Left-back Stefan Mahi, a recent signing, pinged over a lovely ball to the edge of the box where I think it was McNamara won a header, flicked it back in, assisted on by Simon Donnelly and it's Morton Vikorst with a Dennis Bergkamp-esque finish uh, oh, to yes. put Celtic into the lead uh, with just three minutes remaining. Ball swung in by Mahi. It's down for Donnelly. Great chance for Vikorst. He must score, he does! And Celtic have pulled this one out of the fire! Martin Vykorst makes it Celtic 5, FC Tyrol 3. Well, this game gets crazier. Every season I watch it, I think something crazier. Tell me, this season's going to be exciting. This is incredible. Great composure from Vykorst. And there's a nice left foot finish. The gamble from Mackay, a nice touch on from Donnelly. There's a composure. And he's quick enough. Keep it on target. Great finish from Bigos. Unbelievable stuff here at Celtic Park. Oh, it was an absolute peach. It's such great technique, Vikos. The ball comes into him and the defender goes to shut him down and he just sort of flicks it away from him. Then a nice cool finish with a left foot past the keeper. And when you, if you watch back the highlights here, there's a, there's a, what was that, a half hour highlights package of this that's available on YouTube. It's very good. And it's just pandemonium in the stands because that's it. Celtic are again up in the tie. We're going through with minutes left in the game. And for Vigos to do that cool finish at that point in the game was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, ridiculous composure from Vigos, to be fair to him. Um, a lot of players would have snatched at that. I would have snatched at that with just a few minutes left. Um, but he had to take it down on his right and stroke it in when he's left. Not bad from a signing from Dundee a couple of seasons earlier. I liked Vikos, he just, it was injuries and he obviously had the Guillaume-Barry yeah. syndrome that kept him out for a while uh, in Martin O'Neill's season that we spoke about on the New Year's, but he did have technique, he could play anywhere across the, the midfield, he was a good player. Did you like him as well? I just, I, I always thought he was a good player, he always seems to be in and around this team, but he never really had a position that you could say that was where he played but this is definitely his best season because when you watch the highlights when we do stop the 10 he's involved in an awful lot yeah no he's a fantastically talented player um, I think when he signed he obviously had McStay Grant and Collins in front of him um, yeah. this season was probably probably one of the most appearances this season probably about maybe 30-35 uh, he was much more of a regular during this, series, uh, during this season um, but yeah, like you say, he just never really got a run of games. Similar to Phil O'Donnell almost, just there was injuries, yeah. illness. It was just an unfortunate with his record, basically. But yeah, he was a brilliant player. And obviously he played a lot of games for Denmark as well. And Denmark were no mugs at that time. So yeah, great signing by Tommy Burns. And like I say, I don't know what he was doing at Dundee for a couple of seasons. I don't know who ended up at Dundee. But yep, picked him out. And yeah, he done, done a very good job for us. 
the good old days before my scout Tommy not everybody <laughs> knew who everybody was so he managed that's to, true Dundee managed to snap him up so that's it Celtic are going through but the drama is not over plenty of added time here and it gets to the 94th minute Stefan Mahe throws the ball down the line for Larson just to hold on to just to waste some precious time for Celtic but the defender gets the wrong side of Larson and allow him to get in goes past another one and he just plays this inch-perfect cross, but it's more of a pass across to Burley, who's in the box now. 94th minute, you've got a one-goal slender lead here, and your centre midfielder is still breaking into the box. Fair play to Craig Burley, but he just side-foots at home. Game-setting match for Celtic. They cannot be caught. And if you're talking about pandemonium in the stadium, there's only 47,000, but the place went wild. We've now played four minutes and 20 seconds of injury time. He does have a look at his watch. Stefan Mahe with the throw-in to Henrik Larsson. Larsson looking to hold possession for Celtic. That's the key thing at this late stage. Goes down the left, cuts inside, plays it through. It's a goal for Celtic! Craig Burley has put this tie beyond doubt. It's now Celtic 6, FC Tyrol 3, and Celtic most certainly are in the first round proper of this year's UEFA Cup. Well, it's all wrapped up, and it's Henrik Larsson again. He teases and torments, he simply strokes into the net. But Larsson's done the damage, superb stuff, great second half. His composure is good, Burley, and the finish is excellent. Here's Larson, teasing, tormenting, tired defenders, good vision, credit to Burley. And erupted, um, like I say, you'd expect the script to go, the way the night had been going, it would swing back towards FC Tyrol, um, but for us to, like I say, most people would just stay in the corner with the ball. Larson decides to beat a couple of players, set up Craig Burley just to, yep, just to completely finalise the game. Um, and yeah, great from Burley bursting forward, good little finish. Um, but that goal was all about Henrik Larson for me. It was fantastic. It, it doesn't get a lot of goals this season. I think him and Burley are sort of evenly spread among the goals, but we can start to see what a great player he was. And this is the sort of last season of Andy Tom as well, another man. I loved Andy Tom, he was absolutely tremendous, but he leaves halfway through this season. What was your thoughts on him? Because he was sort of him and Pierre were the first sort of big signings when I was growing up, and I loved the two of them. Yeah, he was. I suppose he was the first kind of big signing I remember. Obviously, I didn't really know much about him, but I know it was about was it two point two million or something. Um, yeah, it was quite a, a lot. Of, yeah, quite a lot of money back then. Um, I think as a wee guy, I probably expected him to score more goals, so I would have probably been a, a tad disappointed, but. Watching games like this, you realise how much he sets up and other things he brings to the team, yeah. just non-stop running. He was only 31 in this game, so he le- must have left. He was maybe 31, 32. I think he just kind of fell out of favour. He also got he went off injured in this game. I don't know if that was a kind of beginning of the end for him. Like right at the end, he was carried off, looked in a lot of, lot of distress, a lot of pain. Um, we also had Reggie Blinker to play in that, well, the other side of the position, other side of the uh, pitch, sorry, um, who I got on the back of my top that season. Because I was convinced Ooh. he was going to be a hell of a player. Um, I see, like he was obviously involved in the, in the Decanio deal. I can't put into words how much I worshipped Decanio that season. I had like oh, I was two, tremendous. The two best different player pairs of Panabodoro boots, modelled playing football on him completely. I was devastated when he left. 
But this guy coming in, he's like from Holland, played in the Premier League, Reggie Blinker, dreadlocks, looked the part. So I thought he must be pretty decent. Got Blinker 11 on the back of my shirt <laughs> and got dogs abuse all season for it. Quite right too. This, yeah, uh, he uh, coming from Sheffield Wednesday, as you say, playing in the Premier League, was there a worse swap deal in the world than Paolo Di Canio for Reggie Blinker? But you're not the only one. Patrick was on a... Am I first match recently? And he said he named his was it his hamster after Reggie Blinker. Now I first met Patrick, you were there, and he seemed to love him as well at the time. So it must be the dreadlocks that really got <laughs> his going. Yeah, I mean the dreadlocks were Larson, dreadlocks of Blinker. Um, I'd also read in Match Magazine that he'd scored a couple of goals against Aston Villa when on his debut, I think, for Sheffield Wednesday. Really, really geeky fact that I shouldn't remember that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I think that's why I thought he must be pretty decent. He'd, be, he'd do well in Scotland, but. He just didn't have the heart for it, did he? He was a bit of a sort of Bobby Petter light almost. No, he didn't. Celtic sort of went between a four four two and a three five two in this season. He got played at left wing back some games and did not look very good. But in this game, as you said, Andy Tom went off and Alan Stubbs came on for Andy Tom at the end just to shore it up. Now if you've got Jackie McNamara and you've got Alan Stubbs on the bench and you're playing David Hanna and Malky Mackay. Questions need to be asked here, Vimy Hansen. What is going on? That's bizarre, wasn't it? Um, I'm guessing they weren't fit. I think Stubbs was a... Uh, I don't know, he must have got injured beforehand or something. Else. He, like, he was patchy with injuries as well, Alan Stubbs. Um, like you say, I know McNamara was coming back to full fitness as well. That can Surely the only reason David Hanna was in there ahead of him and the, Malky Mackay was all over the place in this game. Yeah, Mackay was terrible, but that's it. 6-3 on the night. Celtic win 7-5 on aggregate. I've never seen a... Well, maybe the... What was it? Hapoel Beersheva in the qualifiers for yeah. the Champions League. That was another goals galore, but I've never seen a game go like this where it swings. Where each goal just changes the whole complexion of the game. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I cannot think of any other examples of a game like this. Um, it's arguably my probably top five European games I've been to. I've put it up there with... Oh, yeah. What's this? Valencia was at that game. Um, Man City at home. Carrigandy is hard to top. Uh, Blackburn Rovers in the Seville run. Uh, we're under the cosh the whole game. Oh. Got a very lucky goal towards the end. It was just a big sort of feeling of relief more than anything else. But, yeah, for enjoyment, I'd put this game probably right at the top, to be fair. Yeah, you, well, you enjoy it at the very end, don't yeah. you, when you get the relief of the win, but for my first sort of big European game, your first one, it is a, oh, into the firing line, you're getting thrown right into the deep end with this one, and you sort of expected that from Celtic, this is what I was talking about, is these magical European nights that my dad used to tell me, like, Celtic doing this, beating this team, and going up against a big European team, now this isn't a big European team, but any sort of team in Europe back then was decent because Celtic had no pedigree whatsoever in Europe at the time. This was the first sort of round to qualify and it was quite a tough game for us. But after that, you just expect magic at European nights at Celtic Park. Yeah, no, that's why European is, that's why Europe is important for Celtic and Celtic fans. Um, even, even probably one of the worst games recently was Copenhagen and back in February. But like I say, I went through a bit of a bad start to the year. But even walking up to that match, had a couple of drinks, going up with my mates and stuff. So you get that sense of going to a big European night. And it's the first time I'd like, had a bit of a distraction. Like, this is brilliant. This is what Celtic should be involved in all the time. And for people just to write it off as, oh, it doesn't matter this season, it's all about the 10. 
Like, we don't care about European football and stuff. Nah, I'm not having that. Like, it's some of my, like I say, some of my best memories as, as a Celtic fan are in these European nights, no matter how big or small the game is. Yeah, and like this game, Celtic were down and out, but they fought back and they got the result. And this is this is just at the end of August, so this was the sort of catalyst for the season from my point of view. I thought after this, Celtic got a lot of belief. They went through the next round and played Liverpool. Now, in the Liverpool game, albeit they didn't get through, but they really competed well and they should have probably they should have seen out that first game at Celtic Park, but ultimately didn't get through in the tie. But I just feel this game was the turning point where they, they believed there'd been games earlier in the season that Hibs and Dunfermline where they went goals down and they'd lost. But with this one, it sort of, I felt it galvanised the team. Stubbs came back, McNamara came back, McNamara goes... It was McNamara and Burley that got the two awards, I think, this season yeah. for the Player of the Year and the writers uh, for that. And then Stubbs and Reaper. Reaper comes in and they form a good partnership. So I felt this was the game where it all came together for Celtic. They added a couple of players and they just went in a decent run. It did. Uh, they went in, like a, I think it was a 12-match unbeaten run up until Ibrox at the start of November. I think that's when, is that when Richard Goff scored or something that season? Oh, came no. back. Um, obviously we were due to it says this in the highlights in the game we were due to play Rangers the week after but old lady Diana ended up dying so it was uh, scrapped the week after this oh that's right so yeah that's, that didn't quite go to plan for us or her but it's um, <laughs> it's yeah it definitely galvanised the team like I said patchy form at the start of the season I do remember being unsure about Jansen and the signings that were coming in even people like Craig Burley who had been told I think I'd been told he was a Rangers fan when he signed. I had basically had Rangers mates growing up, so I always had a sort of mild dislike of him playing for Celtic. But yeah, he obviously kicked on after this game, got his first couple of goals, and the whole team just started to settle and yeah, worked towards stopping the 10, basically. Yeah, after this, as you say, we, look, Gould was a lot better than you thought. It was a guy in a free transfer from Bradford. Then we had... Stubbs and Reaper in the centre of the pitch. Burley and Lambert built a good partnership in the middle, uh, the middle of midfield. And then up front, Larson and Donnelly had a decent partnership and Bratback would come in. So this sort of galvanised Celtic season and they went on to stop the 10. As you said, Princess Diana unfortunately died, but she wasn't the only one. Following her was Tyrrell Innsbruck actually went into bankruptcy in 2002. So... 1993 they formed and 2002 they went out of business now they went out of business as the champions they were due to go into the champions league to play qualifiers but they had unpaid bills and all that and they just went tits up something that we'd see in scottish football as well for rangers and a few years after that but the last coach is a current international manager would you like to guess who I don't want to say Austria, as that's too obvious. Um, I'll go with Slovakia. Oh, no, no. A bit bigger than that, Tommy. Joachim Lowe was actually the last coach. Was he? Oh, yes, Mr. Fingersniffer himself. Yep. <laughs> he was the last coach for them before they went out of business. So I think they've come back as a team called Wacker Innsbruck. I'm not sure. I think they've been in the Europa League quite recently. So, But that was them out of the... UEFA Cup as it was then and Celtic go through to play Liverpool now we've spoke about the game and all that being at that game I thought it was absolutely tremendous and it just it just set my love for Celtic off and as we spoke about European nights and that's what I live for is Celtic what about yourself? 
Not the same. Um, like I say, I'd have probably been driven home listening to the reaction on Clyde Super Scoreboard back home in time for the... I'm sure the highlights used to be on STV when you got back in um, yeah. after these midweek games. And uh, Just looking forward. I probably asked my mum to try and tape it in case I missed it, in case we're late to getting back. Um, but no, it, was, it's all, it all ties into that. Like I say, it's, that's why I think Europe's really, really important for Celtic. And it's... Yeah, it's always pretty much the highlights of my season going to big European games. Simpler times back then as well, Tommy. No names in the back of the strips, just numbers. And that strips, are, it's got fond memories as well. The the double umbro sponsor, it's an absolute classic, isn't it? It is. Um, I actually picked it up in a charity shop about a month ago. Uh, a Bernardo's oh, how much? Tenner. Oof. A brand new one. Basically what happened is I was walking out in the shop, looked through the doors, a guy's got it in his hands. So I went in, was sort of like, maybe he's not a football fan, he might put it back, he might put it back. And I was just giving him evils, like discreet evil looks for about <laughs> 10 minutes. I was like, please fucking put it back. Ended up... Was your wee heart going? I was, yeah. I was, I was working, <laughs> so I had the works van outside, so I thought, fuck, I've missed it. Went and sat in the van, I thought, I'm going to watch if this guy leaves, just in case he puts it back. Um, and then his missus came out with a bag, and then he came out not carrying anything. I said, like, surely he's not put that back. Went back in and it was lying just in the just the big rack of clothes, basically. So I went and paid a tenner for it, immaculate, in a large. Um, and then, like I say, I've picked up this football shirt habit. I've got about 200 shirts on Depop. Oof. Put that up. Um, and then it sold last week for 65 quid, which I feel kind of bad about, but I'm scared I was slapped at work. So it's just, it's, it is what it is. It's a bit of a business I've picked up, so... Um, but yeah, it's one of my favourite kits of all time, to be fair, but rather shamefully, I had to sell it last week, so... Oh, fair enough. Why don't you give it a wee plug? What shall we Depop? Uh... Depop.com forward slash renowned ranking, if for all your shirt needs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Celtic gave us all our needs in this game. A 6-3 win, go through, 7-5 on aggregate, an absolute classic. Tomo, thanks very much for joining me and discussing this game. As you say, it's in your top five it's definitely in my top five I think our top fives are very similar actually it was an absolute classic been a pleasure want flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company they offer flexible budget friendly medical dental and vision coverage that may be right for you more at UH1.com even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 